You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. today and, and I really feel it's an encouragement. Um, it's, it's, I just feel that's what it is and I want to say that off the bat. So if you feel anything else other than encouraged by what I'm saying today, please come have a chat with me after, after the service because I really feel that's not what God wants today. He doesn't want you to feel discouraged. He never does. He wants you to be encouraged. Amen. It's really good communion too, Paul. Thank you for sharing that. I heard at the start you said 44 years ago you were, were saved. You came to Christ. I thought, 44 years ago. I wasn't even born. I'm in, my, I'm in my 40th year this year, and it just reminds me, everywhere I look, something is reminding me about I'm turning 40 this year, and I'm starting to sweat and, and uh, get a bit nervous about that. 40s are great. I was chatting to someone the other day, and I said, oh, they're 43, and I said, what, are you, what, were your 40, what are your 40s like so far? And he just said, don't ask. And I was like, man, my 30s, I feel like saying that in my 30s, what am I looking forward to in my 40s? Anyway, so I... Um, what I am looking forward to is that I, uh, I see an ophthalmologist, an eye specialist, uh, a lot. I've been seeing him since I was about 22. Uh, I had cataracts in my eyes. Anyway, the short of it, um, late last year, they said, we're good for surgery. We're actually going to do surgery on your eye uh, to remove a cataract. They were curious about it, whether they could do it or not, because I've had it done before, and it's caused complications in my eye and, and, and other things. Anyway, it's all good. I'm going to get surgery this year to, uh, through the public system, which I'm I'm not heaps excited about that because it's a needle in, in your eyeball. So I'm a little nervous about that. But I, I see what, my mum had it done recently. And she's like, ah, it's nothing. And, but my mum walks through concrete walls. My mum is like, you know, a stoic person. I'm like, I'm still a mummy's boy, you know. Like, can you hold my hand when you're there, mum? Anyway, so I have to go uh, every six months and, and get these checkups with the, with the ophthalmologist and the nurses there. And so they get you on this machine and you, you, you hold on to these handles and phone's ringing, and you've got to hold on to these handles and you look in this, um, like, lenses and stuff, and they put things on your eyeball, and they have a lens that they put on my eyeball. It's about the size of this microphone, and it goes big down to really small, and the small part goes on your eyeball. Anyway, I've seen this nurse before. She's really good. I, I, I get along with her uh, a bit. Like, she has a bit of a joke with me and says she's going to do things she isn't, so I freak out, and then, you know, she has a laugh. They love doing that, nurses, for some reason. And uh, anyway, she just happened to ask me, and she had this lens on my eye like this, and, and I'm in the machine like this, like looking, and she's got this lens on my eye, sort of pushing it. It feels like my eyeball is going to pop out the back of my head sort of thing. And she says, oh, I never asked, what, what do you do for a living? And I said, oh, I'm a pastor. And as I said, I'm a pastor, I felt the lens sort of go <laughs> like this. And she said, oh, I've never, I've, I've never uh, done this for a pastor before. I said, it's okay. This is... Do the same thing you've done for everybody else, please. You know, you'd have to change your system now because I'm a pastor. And we had this great conversation, right? A really good, uh, good conversation we'll share a bit later on. But she said to me, the next thing she said to me was, oh, okay, excuse me, Father, I'm just going to go and get this over here. And, and came back down and I'm like, Father. I said, my kids don't even call me Father. Like, don't call me Father. And I was like, man, what does she think? What is she thinking of me? And so I want to ask that today. What do people think of you? Have you ever thought this? 
if you could ask this question and, and get an answer, like if you, like this, if you could find out exactly what people think about, about you, would you want to know? Oh, I would. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. It would depend who you ask, wouldn't it? It would depend who you ask. I wouldn't ask my kids sometimes. I would ask my grandma. If she was still alive right now, I would ask her because I was a golden boy. I was, it didn't matter what I did. My grandma thought the sun shined out of my eyes. You know, like she thought I was the best. And I remember one time in the backyard, I was playing in her backyard, was swinging around on the clothesline, old hills hoist, and I just kept getting further out so I could swing like this as I'm going around. And then I just felt the clothesline just sort of go down and on the ground. And I'm like, oh, I've broken her clothesline. And my sister was right here. And she's just like, you're in trouble. And grandma came out and she's like, Robin, what have you done? Uh, Matt, are you okay? You know, come here, you know, look after me and all this. I just look at my sister. That's a good grandma. That's, that was my grandma. It didn't matter what I did. She thought the best of me. Always thought the best of me. I love my grandma. But you would. You'd be careful who you ask, wouldn't you, what they think. But it's something that we're curious about. Sometimes they're like, I wonder what people think about me. Do they see me as someone um, that's got it together? Do they see me as someone who's a loose cannon? Do they see me as someone who's timid, aggressive? All these sort of thoughts come through my head. And I thought that after seeing this nurse. It really, really stuck to me. Um, But there's one thing that I do. I I always look at, uh, well, I don't anymore. I hopped off of Facebook um, Instagram a while ago because I get stuck. I look through these reels and I'm hoping, like you look through one and you see a video and you see another one and then you're hoping for another one to make you feel as good as one you saw 50,000 reels ago. Does anyone get caught in that? You're looking through these little short videos, yeah, and then I'm like, I'm just wasting my life looking at this. But the thing that I always see on those reels is someone who does something incredible and then they walk away like it always happens. You know, like they'll throw a basket, like, like these guys here, do perfect the first time I ever saw one of these videos, these guys here, they do these amazing trick shots. They just look like seven-year-old boys in 30-year-old men's bodies. Like they just, they've, they've got this life where they just do what they wanted to. But the first time I saw one of these videos, he was in the back of a ute doing about 60 k's an hour, had a basketball and pegged it off of a cliff and it just went straight through a hoop down there. And I was like, wow, first try. Like that guy's amazing, you know. Yeah, not first try. <laughs> 50,000 edits later, they finally got it. And then they're all like, cheering, like, yeah, and, and walk away like, wow, what an incredible person. He must be really good at sports. Or he just tried a lot and, and, and it happened. But you get caught up and, and I think, wow, these people have got it all together. Like they just, they can just, they can just do it. And I was thinking about this. It, it's amazing what edi- editing can do. It can make you look good. Except for when I do church videos, I always feel like I'm staring, like Ash said on announcements, I always feel like I'm staring at the camera like this just to get the right words out. But there's no amount of editing that can fix my eyes, that's for sure. I remember a story as a kid. My dad was telling me this. It's a great story. Um, who remembers the old column shift cars like this? How cool were they? I love them. When I first got my licenses, like, nah, if you get a column shift, you want to make it four on the floor, you can't have column shift. And now all I'm thinking is I would love a car with a vinyl bench seat, column shift, and drive that around. How fun is that? No seat belts. You know, that, that's the dream. Just cruise around, something like that. Anyway, my dad, when he got his license, he was at school and his mate had this Valiant column shift. And I don't know how it ended up like this, but my dad said he was in the car park at the school and he borrowed his mate's car and started doing a burnout in the car park, right? And he's like, and all the kids are there like, yeah, like this. And the seat collapsed on him as he was doing a burnout. 
and he reached for the steering wheel, but he hit the column shift and he put it into reverse. As he's doing a burnout, no mechanical sympathy there at all. And the car went bang into reverse, spun around and parked between two parked cars on the side of the road. <laughs> and he said, he put the seat up, got out the car like this, like just walked around. Like, and everyone was like, oh, Pete, oh my gosh, how good was that? He's like, yeah, no, I've done it before. You know, like... <laughs> Like, yeah, right, you know, and he said he had to go home and change his clothes for a certain reason, but it's like he, he pulled it up, but he, he didn't want people to know that he'd stuffed up. He didn't want people to see him like that. He wanted people to think, wow, Peter Perfect, he could drive a car, like, that's fantastic. How about this, when things go like that or not the way you think, are you cool, calm and collected? Like when your pointer doesn't work, are you cool, calm and collected? Are you cool, calm, and collected? What's going on here? Next slide, please. <laughs> Are you cool, calm, and collected when things don't go your way? I, uh, in um, January, every year, I read through Proverbs because it fits. It's just every day you read a proverb and do it. And I've been doing that for about 12 years now. And every time I read, it's like, oh, there's, there's something new in that. Do you get that when you read God's Word? I love that. I reckon I said that probably at least 50 times from stage because it's, it's one of the most profound things to me, that every time I read the same thing, something different comes out. That is such a, a, a defining fact that God's word is living, isn't it? It's so good. And I read a proverb uh, every day. And uh, the other week, this one really stood out to me. Proverbs twelve sixteen. it says this. It says, The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. And this stood out to me, the vexation of of a fool is known at once. And I thought, I'm going to interpret that. The Matt King interpretation here it says, the frustration of Matt is known at once. Yes. I was once told that um, it's really obvious when I'm frustrated by someone and they said it's not very attractive. <laughs> and in that moment, it, um, it's what I needed to hear. And it's like, yes, it's not very attractive when I get frustrated. It's not appealing to other people to see me getting frustrated. And, and this really stood out to me. And I was like, oh, do people see me as someone who's unattractive and frustrated all the time? Do people see that? Like when I'm driving my car. This will stick out to people, won't it? There'll be people here that will be on the inside going, yeah, that's me. But I'm not going to shake my head right now and agree. But in the car, someone cuts me off. How attractive am I? It's like everybody knows my vexation in that moment when someone cuts me off or if someone doesn't show up on time when you have an appointment or you get held up in the doctor's surgery or something gets changed on you that you weren't prepared for. How do you look to other people when that comes out? The best part about this passage here is the next part where it says, but the prudent ignores an insult. Is that up now? Thanks, guys. Sound desk guys are amazing. Thanks, Dean. Um, but the prudent ignores an insult. I was like, oh, how well can I ignore insults? It depends on where I'm thinking. And I love this. The word prudent means to think future-like, to think ahead. Not to think right now, but to think ahead in the future. What's going to happen in the future in this relationship where I'm insulted right now? Because if I'm thinking right now, I'm probably going to find it really hard to ignore this insult. But if I'm thinking, what's the benefit for this relationship... I'm thinking further, and I can find it easier to ignore that insult. Does that make sense? It's like the prudent ignores an insult. So where am I thinking when I'm getting frustrated? I'm I'm thinking now. 
you cut me off right now. I'm three seconds later than I would have been to where I'm going. I do not know how frustrated that is. I'm not thinking future. I'm thinking now. I'm not thinking God's kingdom. I'm not thinking opportunity to speak into someone's life through, through God's will. I'm not thinking that at all. I'm thinking my vexation, my frustration right now. This is the thing. I want to ask, why, why do we want to be seen like we've got it all together? Why do we want to be seen like that? And, and this came to me when I was praying about this. Is like, why do we want to be seen like this? And I believe it's because we forget how God actually sees us. I think we forget. God, God sees me differently to how I see myself or how that person that I, I got annoyed at sees me. God sees me completely differently to that. The book of James, I, I really enjoy reading the book of James. I feel like James is someone that would just sort of stand up and call it out as being wrong. And he's just, he's, he's got guts, hasn't he, when he talks. Uh, calls it how it is, I, and I, I like that. I don't have enough guts to say half the stuff he does like he does. But in James 1, 22 to 25, uh, it says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, I love this, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Do you ever look at your watch, go, I wonder what the time is, look at your watch and then go, I don't know what the time is and you go, oh, Look at my watch. And then you still go, oh, I didn't actually look at my watch. What is the time? And you're like intently looking at it to go, what is the time? You ever done that before? I feel like I do it every time I look at my watch. And then I look on my phone and you look at the clock and there's like time everywhere. It's like that. It's like we, we hear God's word and we're like, it's important. But I'm like, yep, I got that in. And then I, I walk away and I'm not, not really intently hearing it. And, and I believe that intently hearing something is like this when he said, but doing it. James says, but doing it. I learned this thing years ago when I went, uh, I did a course. It was a first aid mental, yeah, first aid mental health training. It was a really good course for what I was doing in the school at the time. And uh, the guy got us in a room and there was, I think there was about 35 people in the room. And uh, he went around and he said, I want you to tell me your name and something you did on the weekend. And everybody went around the room and then he said, all right. And then he said, so John, you did this. Simon, you did that. Lisa, you did this. Michael, you did this. Mark, you did that. 35 people. Didn't miss a beat. Got it all right. I was like, how do you do that? And he said, oh, I, I practice this thing where when I hear something, I, I repeat it in my, my head. I repeat that in my head. And I was like, but there's 35 people in the room. You know, how do you do it? And he showed me a few things. I didn't know how to do it. But he said to me one thing. He said this. When you say hello to someone that you met for the first time, Say their name three times in the conversation you have with them. So if I met Ash for the first time, I'd be like, so Ash, what do you do for a living? So Ash, what do you do for fun? Ash. And just say their name three times. If you can't think of three questions, sometimes just say their name three times. It's not awkward at all. They're just Ash. <laughs> just like that. But it's funny how you retain it when you do it. It's like I'm, I'm doing it. And, and I think what James is saying in this passage is like, doing it i hear god's word but do it 
do God's word. That's how you remember God's word in a way. What a great way to, to envision that. I can write it down, study it and do that and remember it and you do memory verses in Sunday school and that. But when you do it, you've actually got to know what it says, don't you? It's like, oh, hang on, I, what did it say to do? I've got to do that and, and live it out. You know, the problem we have though is like when we look at our watch and forget what we just looked at, is that our focus is somewhere else. I could be looking at my watch because I'm worried about whether I'm going to be on time or what time the movie starts or, or whatnot. And so our focus isn't completely on it, is it? And that's why we miss it. It's important, but we miss it because our focus is elsewhere. And this is something I want to say today. We value the creation's opinion over the creator's truth in a lot of things in our lives. And one of those times is when we think, what do people think about me? When I get worried, I kept thinking when I was preparing this, I'd like to get someone to stand up and make a dolphin noise in front of everybody right now. It's right, I'm looking at you, Glenn, but no, I won't, I won't make you do it. But you wouldn't do it because everybody's going to judge you on how you make that dolphin noise, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, well, someone's doing it. <laughs> This is the thing, like we, we do, we, we self-guard and go, oh, I don't know what to do. And I'm not talking about just being fruity in front of people for the sake, like there's a reason for that. Self-preservation so that you have some credibility with people is important. But it's interesting how um, God will ask us to do something sometimes and the fear of the creation's opinion comes up more to us than the truth of the creator. What my father says about me and what he actually sees in me is so much more important than what the creation says. It's an opinion of the creation. I want to know what the creator says about me because he doesn't see me with all my sin. He knows I have sin, but he doesn't see me like that. He sees me as someone who can do what he wants me to do. He has faith in me to do it. This is the thing. The truth is this. 2 Corinthians five seventeen to 21 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling, I love this word, the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. He's not, he's not looking at your sin. He's not doing that. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the truth. That's how God sees us as righteous because of what Jesus did for us. That's a truth. That's an actual truth how God sees us. He doesn't count our sins. I love the word reconcile in this. You know, the word reconcile means to be compatible. You ever thought about that? I'm compatible with God. He made me compatible with him. How, how crazy is that to really think about that? I'm not worthy. I, I don't see myself like that, you know. And, and we get that. The, the opinions of others come in and go, oh, but, but I've sinned. I'm not compatible with God. He can't be around sin that doesn't make sense. I, I can't be like that. 
but that was his strive to make us compatible. When you think about a reconciled marriage, I think about it like this. A reconciled marriage is not a marriage that keep dwelling on the struggles that they have. They, they focus on the reconciliation of the marriage, what's brought us back together. The foundation of love has brought them back together. They're both aware that there's struggles and frustrations. They're both aware of it but they choose to look at the righteousness of the marriage, which is the love in the marriage. And it's like us with God. God sees us. He knows we have sin. He knows that we have struggles and that we fall short, but he chooses to see us like that. But why? Why does God choose to see us like that? I love this. It's because he has more faith in us than we do in him. He has, when you think of that, he has more faith in us who are fallible than we do in him who is infallible. He has more faith in us. So when we start the year and we go, Lord, this year I'm going to read your word every day for four hours and I'm going to pray for six hours. He's like, and you're going to do it. Because he has faith in us that we'll do it. And then 2nd of January when we sleep in and don't get up, he's like, come on, what, what's the next thing we're going to go for? I have faith in you. I have faith in you that you can do it. The creator of heaven and earth has faith in us like we don't understand. How cool is that? I Yeah, I love that. But this is the thing, I, I kind of want to talk about this today. This, this will be my main sort of thought. I, we talk about at the start of the year sometimes and, and, it, and it comes through uh, when we're talking about things like New Year's resolutions and things like that. We're thinking, what do I want to achieve this year? What's my purpose this year? And I... I felt years ago, it was a real struggle with a lot of youth kids that I was hanging around. And like, I really want to find my purpose. I want to find my purpose. And they would struggle because they're, they're thinking it's this hugely complex thing. It's like, I, I don't know what it is. I've got to do all of this and, I, and I've got to achieve this and I've got to be in a position of strength and, and I've got to be righteous and all this and before I can find out what my purpose is. And... As I was sharing this, uh, as I was preparing this, I really felt God say, it's so simple, isn't it? It's so simple to find your purpose. And, and I believe that your purpose is this. What God sees in you is your purpose. What he sees in you is your purpose. How God sees you is your purpose. And I believe it because of this passage in James. There was so much I wanted to share from James, but I felt like I'd be like cutting down the line a lot today. But in James 1, it says this. It says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues while driving cars and getting annoyed at people, deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. It'd be like me standing up here and saying, I, I get it all right. I wouldn't have any authority to share, would I? Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless. I love this. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I um, am getting a little emotional, sorry. When I was chatting with this nurse, um, she said to me, I respect your religion, but I've I've been hurt. I said, okay. And she said, I just can't believe that someone who loves me would say, if I don't do the right thing, I'm going to hell. And I said, I, I can't believe that either. Like, that's just, that's horrendous. Like, that, that's what you were, were bashed with all your life, that you're going to hell. That's the focus. What sort of relationship is that? And she said, relationship? 
And I said, yeah, I, I'm not religious. I mean, there's some things I do religiously. I get up in the morning religiously. I could do that. Um, but I, I'm all about the relationship. I want a relationship. And as I was sharing with this girl uh, about stuff, she was, she was really listening. I could tell because I could feel her hand shaking, you know, as she's, as she's listening. And I really felt God say, she's an orphan. She doesn't know her spiritual dad. And I thought, I'm, I'm looking after her. I'm, I'm pointing her towards her dad. And we didn't have this moment of, of prayer or, you know, and this huge spiritual moment and angels came in the room and then there was all this music playing and harps and everything. We didn't have anything like that. What I had afterwards was this, um, uh, a reflection of gratitude from her towards me for sharing. Not thank you for that great wisdom and everything. It was thank you for sharing with me. Gratitude, it opened her heart to things. My purpose is to look after orphans and widows. How simple is that? My purpose is not to be the world's best preacher. I'll fall short of that, that's for sure. But like, it's, our purpose isn't this thing that we look at and go, oh, I've got to be this and do it like this and that. It's simple. Our purpose is to do the word of God, what he sees in us. And he sees us as righteous and worthy to be able to share his love. We are his ambassadors to those that are orphaned and widows. That's our purpose. Can I get the band to come up, Rose? I love this uh, in um, James where it says uh, the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, sorry, in Corinthians. I, I love that. Our, our goal is to, to help reconcile people with God, isn't it? That's what we do. And, and today... Uh, the band are going to lead us in a song in a second, but I'd love to pray with you afterwards if you, you feel that uh, God's placed something on your heart today. But the main point of today uh, that I want to want to leave you with is that um, we're compatible with God. God sees us as righteous because of what Jesus did for us. And you may get caught up in thinking what other people think and be worried about that. But when you do that, you're missing out on what God has for your life. And it's like looking at that watch and forgetting what's important. God's love for us and his faith in us is so much greater than we can understand. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love, your mercy and grace, that you long to have a relationship with us, that you have faith in us, that when we, we strive to do better, Lord, that you are our biggest support. You are right there alongside us, just encouraging us to, to go forth. Lord, give us the boldness and strength to be your ambassadors, to, to see you, Lord, and to, to realize that you are aware of, of all our sins, but it's not your focus. It's your faith in us, Father God. Lord, we thank you so much. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.